You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. by my lovely co-host, Justin. And uh, kind of like I said, we, we took a uh, little bit of a break. I, I went and celebrated my five-year wedding anniversary in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. So we went up there and uh, spent some time. Justin, what have you been up to, buddy? Nothing much, man. Just been enjoying my uh, free time off from my work that I was given because I had a new new newborn come in. So it's been Oh, well, yeah. Got the... Uh, the little baby boy over there. You getting any yes, sleep? Yes, sir. Uh, you know what? He's actually been sleeping pretty well at night, so it, it hasn't been too bad. You know, typical uh, newborn stuff. So. Yeah. Well, at least you're getting some rest. I know it can be. Uh, I know it could be tough, or so I've heard. So, jumping on here and here, a lot of stuff has gone on um, since. We've been uh, out of here, but the first thing I wanted to jump into is the government is now back open temporarily, but it is open. So the longest government shutdown in history has officially ended. And uh, what I might add is that it's not actually ended. Uh, it's actually, I would use the term postponed uh, until February 15th I, I, is what was said, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct, and that's that is a better term to use. Uh, just postponed. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Trump let out a statement uh, earlier this week, and uh, so let's listen into what exactly he had to say about the deal him and Pelosi struck up. In a short while, I will sign a bill to open our government for three weeks until February fifteenth. I will make sure that all employees receive their back pay very quickly or as soon as possible. It'll happen fast. I am asking Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to put this proposal on the floor immediately. After 36 days of spirited debate and dialogue, I have seen and heard from enough Democrats and Republicans that they are willing to put partisanship aside, I think, and put the security of the American people first. I do believe they're going to do that. They have said they are for complete border security, and they have finally and fully acknowledged that having barriers, fencing, or walls, or whatever you want to call it, will be an important part of the solution. A bipartisan conference committee of House and Senate lawmakers and leaders will immediately begin reviewing the requests of our homeland security experts and experts they are, and also law enforcement professionals who have worked with us so closely. We want to thank Border Patrol, ICE, and all law enforcement. Been incredible. So this is good news for the 800,000 federal workers that have been going on for close to a little over a month without pay. Um, 
However, I, I see no possible way that the Democrats actually play ball here in the next three weeks. Um, it's an interesting scenario here. I mean, you know, the political implications of, of Trump opening the government here with no wall um, to kind of give relief to these workers that that helps him a little bit politically to, to give relief to these helpers. But um, it's interesting also because this in this next three weeks, in these next 21 days, um, if the Democrats don't play a game here, then I mean, this next potential shutdowns on them. And, you know, I, I know a bunch of people are going to say uh, this is a classic uh, tug of war against Republicans, Democrats, which essentially it is. But I, I find it something notable to mention is uh, we have, you know, the young freshman Dan Crenshaw that hails from Texas. You know, he actually tweeted out that when they were kind of deciding on if we can pay these workers, they had a vote on maybe paying these workers despite the government shutdown uh, and the actual Democrats voted against it. I think they only had, what, six people, he tweeted out, that actually was in favor of paying these people. Yeah, that's so right. It's just all it, a political game. It was less about actually helping these individuals out and more about playing this stupid game. And, you know, uh, another thing that I'd like to point out is I thought it was interesting how they made a political cartoon about Trump slamming into this wall that he wants and uh pelosi literally it's showing footsteps walking over trump you know i think it's sickening that they count this as a win as some kind of like in your face type uh stuff when you have eight hundred thousand furloughed workers that aren't giving paychecks kind of insensitive to me you know yeah, like you said earlier, it's just all a political game. So helping out these workers, you know, giving leverage to Trump on helping out the workers were was not going to work in their favor. So they, they weren't going to give Trump a win no matter what. And I don't want to spend too much uh, time on the subject of the government shutdown because it is just really it is a huge crock. You know, it's just a power struggle, uh, which it's always been in the political spectrum. But the thing that I want to kind of get people to understand too is you know with the government shutdown we had the whole irs debacle where people were in fear of maybe not getting their refund checks and i just want to point out you know i seen an interesting thing on the libertarian page and the gist of it was is pretty much people get so used to having this whole pie that they work for uh in you know the government takes pieces of it each check in order to, you know, fund themselves. You know, they take a little piece, little piece. And throughout the year, you don't really realize how much they're taxing you, you know, because they're right. taking it's it It's kind of like boiling a frog in a Correct. pot, right? If you just slowly raise the temperature. Correct. So people don't really ever take that into account. And then they, they get so happy. And it's almost become uh, its own separate religion when we talk about tax season. It almost becomes like a separate Christmas where people are so excited to get this <laughs> right. tax refund. They, they, you know, say that you've got this whole pie. The government's taken out three quarters of this pie, but you don't really realize that it was a whole three quarters of the pie because they did it so slowly. And mm -hmm. then they give you a quarterback of this pie even sometimes an eighth or even a sixteenth or yeah, even and you're all happy <laughs> and you're happy because you think that you've just got this cool christmas present of a tax refund 
and you're so excited, almost like you got a new bike for Christmas, and you don't realize that you've been scammed out of the other, you know, huge part of your money that you make. And I just want to, I think it's funny that people were so upset over potentially not realizing that the IRS and the government is not here to help anybody. They're here to fill their own pockets because they have other things that they want to do. And the point that I'm making is, you know, if people had the the uh, the chance to not have anything taken from their check all year and then they were forced to pay a lump sum of taxes at the end and not so much like a debit system where it takes it out little by little i think mm-hmm. people would really understand how unnecessary the government is yeah you you'd get a lot of libertarians that way that's for sure yeah you'd definitely be crapping your pants when you got a lump sum saying that you owe the government you know say fifteen thousand, but they don't realize right. that they've been taking that much out regardless during the whole year, so uh just a point to make out with this whole stupid government shutdown, yeah, and it's gonna be interesting to see uh how this unfolds in the next few weeks um but moving on, you know, we were talking about Ilhan Omar last episode on how she was uh, attacking these uh, Catholic students during this whole um, Catholic student debacle over at the uh, oh, March yeah. for Life thing. Um, well, she's in the news again, and apparently it's because um, after she attacked these kids on Twitter, somebody released this story of when she was working for the Minnesota House of Representatives, she apparently uh, tried to have a judge um, tried to have a judge show leniency towards nine Minnesota men attempting to join ISIS. So this is pretty interesting, Justin. You sent this yeah. to me. Yeah. So she's a, she's essentially sympathizing. With individuals that have chosen to be enemies of the United States, they they are they are foregoing their rights as American citizens to join in the Syria conflict, and she obviously is sympathizing with people that are trying to become terrorists, but she's crapping all over these kids that wear a red hat. Yeah, very mature. Yeah, very mature for a congresswoman. Um, to give a little bit of a background on Ilhan Omar, for those who don't know who she is, she is a Somali-American politician serving as the U.S. representative uh, – or excuse me, she was serving as the U.S. representative for Minnesota's 5th Congressional District. Um, however, she was voted in on November 6th of last year um, as uh, as the first Somali-American to be voted into Congress. And they've kind of coined these individuals, her with like AOC and Dan Crenshaw, the freshman class, almost like if it's a, you know, you know uh, they use the terminology in a lot of like the rap stuff where you have like the freshman XXL magazine where you got the new up and coming. It's almost <laughs> right. like they're making the it popularized to be put into Congress. It's, uh, you know, I think that's something to point out. I think it's pretty funny that that's the way that they're taking this now. They're the new freshman class. Yeah, so the story goes, these nine Minnesota men were facing decades in prison after being accused in 2015 of making plans, including buying fake passports in an effort to travel to Syria and to fight for ISIS, which at its peak, uh, it controlled territory in Syria and Iraq. So while she was making um, her statement to the judge, this is a quote that she had. The best deterrent to a fanaticism to fanaticism is a system of compassion. We must alter our attitude and approach if we truly want to affect change. 
we should refocus our efforts on inclusion and rehabilitation. So that's pretty uh, lenient words to some ISIS sympathizers. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. these guys it's, are bad it's... news. I'm pretty sure I've seen videos of them chopping people's head off. Yeah, and it's not like they're going over there and handing out bottled water to the people that are in war or wiping their foreheads with a wet <laughs> exactly towel. Exactly the opposite. They're going over there to embrace and, and the fight and do whatever it takes for them to, uh, you know, prove that their religion is the best one. Yeah, and if you needed it comes down to. If you needed any more proof that they weren't going over there for humanitarian needs, one of the men, Yassin Dayud, was quoted as saying, I was not going there to pass out medical kits or food. I was strictly going there to fight and kill on the behalf of the Islamic State. I mean, that's as, that's as cookie cutter as you get. Yeah, dude's gearing up like he took a line from Terminator. Like the dude's over there to go and uh, handle his business. He's not going out there for humanitarian relief. No, not at all. So I, I just thought that was an interesting – that was a good um, story you brought to me and it, just the irony of her uh, fighting for leniency on these men but I, just I, not I leniency the, on these uh, Catholic kids. And I think the point – also that we can show here is it it's so ridiculous to me to see how human beings i mean for thousands of years obviously we've condensed ourselves into our own little tribal units of individuals that kind of feel like they represent us and our values and stuff and i i th think this is a classic representation of these people share her same belief so Obviously, in her eyes, they're okay people because they share the same beliefs. Obviously, the kids yeah, in the red hats don't share the same beliefs as her, so they're automatically ostracized from her little clique or group because they don't fit her agenda. And I think it's a classic, you know, show and tell of like, hey, we have this person that says that she's trying to represent everybody, but in all reality, she's just trying to represent the minority that she wants to represent. Right. That's the problem when you come into Congress. You have to re represent people of of all classifications. You know, uh, you have to be open minded because you have to keep that stuff separate. That's exactly right. So that that's pretty rich for her. So arguably the largest story that broke during our break was uh, Roger Stone was arrested this week, or excuse me, last week. Um, so this is pretty pretty big news for the uh, the Robert Mueller investigation here. So to give a little bit of a background on Roger Stone for those who don't know, uh, Roger Stone is like a longtime Republican strategist. He worked for the Nixon, Reagan, and Bush senior campaigns, um, but is uh, notably um, a, a high I mean, player in the Trump he, campaign he, in 2016. He essentially paved the way. For Trump's agenda to help him uh, run effectively as president. Yeah, he was actually the one that talked Trump into running. So it's he's a pretty high level uh, guy in the Trump campaign. So yeah, huge huge influencer politically. For, that's for sure. Or bad, yeah, for it, his it entire lifetime, he's been a huge yep. um, political player. Um, so St Roger Stone was charged with obstructing Special Counsel Robert Mueller's investigation of the Russian interference in the 2016 election. 
and lying about his communication with the quote unquote Russian front group WikiLeaks, which, you know, there's little to no evidence that WikiLeaks is actually a Russian front, but okay, whatever. I just want to say real quick, I find it funny that they consider them a Russian front, and it's only because of the fact that Julian Assange, you know, has brought so much to the light for people to actually see that have actually been proven factual from the WikiLeaks, that I, I find it interesting how people hear these facts and they take it as like, oh, oh, that's BS, BS, you know, he must be a terrorist. Yeah. Well, you can't have a conversation about WikiLeaks and not talk about what they released, right? So, Correct. Well, what did they release? So this whole thing was about the uh, the WikiLeaks dump on the um, Hillary corruption with the DNC and CNN, right? So for those who don't remember that far back, um, the DNC was actively working to get Hillary Clinton the nomination over Bernie Sanders. So they were actively working together to get Hillary that nomination as well as CNN was feeding Donna Brazil, who was the leader of the DNC at that time. The CNN was feeding them the debate questions ahead of the primary. So uh, <laughs> there's this blatant corruption that WikiLeaks um, that WikiLeaks put out. Was, yeah, so WikiLeaks had this information and the Trump campaign wanted it. And I'm supposed to be mad about that? Like, And, and no one did anything with it. They just was like, oh, silly Hillary. They were more upset. They were more upset that Bernie was out of running. You know, it, which we all found out later on that Hillary Clinton screwed Bernie Sanders over, you know, thankfully, because I also dislike Bernie Sanders. But that's neither here nor there. But it's it's funny that no one did anything with that information. Yeah. And but we're supposed to be outraged because this is Russian interference in the election. When I mean, really, you could just got to look at this information and just say, well, is the information true? And if the information is true, then who cares? Correct. Like I, I don't care how you get the information as long as like the people need to see this. Correct. And so to get back on track, what happened is essentially they're now going against Roger Stone because they're desperately trying to find something to link Trump to Russia. This has been going on. We talked about it, you know, in a couple episodes ago or whatever. You know, they're desperately searching for something. So now they've decided to go after Roger Stone, right? Yes. So yeah. <laughs> they gear up. Over a dozen FBI agents in 29. Full tactical, yeah. uh, 29 in full tactical gear, like they're going to raid Pablo Escobar's house. And <laughs> they knock on the door, and they're like, pretty much, you know, you can go ahead and play the clip now. But yeah, so th this is the this is the video here. So I'm going to. To give you a little bit of context of what the video is, CNN producer David Shortell um, was outside of uh, Roger Stone's house on Friday morning, and they witnessed the FBI approaching Stone's door to arrest him on the indictment. Um, and so th the first question that comes into your mind is like, well, how were they there at this time? Right. Yeah. So they're they're staking out Stone's house and CNN's team gets asked, like, well, how are you the only one that gets the video footage on this? This is a huge thing. And they just said they had a hunch. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah. They they just happened to be able to show up an hour early to a, uh, you know, no one knew the raid was supposed to happen, supposedly. Okay? Literally Not even Roger an hour Stone's early. Attorney. No, no one knew. 
So CNN had time to go get donuts, coffee, have their own little setup, make sure everything was ready to go. And not only that, they were donned in tactical gear. Well, yeah. If they had a hunch, why do they have a tactical vest the, on? This whole thing just <laughs> this thing just stinks. Like it, you're telling me you weren't tipped off about this, and you just had a hunch. Yeah, yeah right. Here's David Shortell explaining about how he got his reporter's instinct. Joining us now is CNN producer David Shortell. He was on the scene when this happened in Fort Lauderdale. Tell us everything that that uh, transpired this morning. Allison, an extraordinary morning. We were here at 5 a.m. waiting for whatever was going to happen. It was dark, 6 a.m., just after the hour. About a half dozen police vehicles with sirens, but no sound. So if you didn't hear, he got there at 5 a.m. and the FBI got there at 6 (laughs) a.m. So this is the shortest stakeout in stakeout history. What a coincidence, man. What a coincidence. Good for them, man. They're the only news news people that are just right on top of their game, man. That's some gut instinct. They yeah. should go claim James Randi's million dollars for being able to be mediums or whatever, you know, future tellers. Yeah, I need to take this guy to Vegas. Yeah, let's listen in and see what else he has to say. Possibility of the arrest not going smoothly. I mean, that's why they take all of those precautions. But what's so fascinating is that we've talked to his attorney. The attorney didn't know this was coming. Clearly, Roger Stone didn't know this was coming. You were staked out at his house. You didn't know that this was coming. Why were you there in position? Allison, it's it's reporter's instinct. The whole Russia team thought maybe something was happening. There was some unusual grand jury activity in Washington, D.C. yesterday. The grand jury, Robert Mueller's grand jury, typically meets on Fridays. Yesterday, a Thursday, there was grand jury activity. We also had some other signs that maybe something was going on this angle, the Roger Stone angle. So we showed up at his house this morning. We were the only ones there. And lo and behold, the FBI agents did come and arrest him. I'll, I'll make a note. Lo and behold. Lo and behold. An hour she after said, I get there, the team yeah. shows up giving us high fives as you know, they go notice by. She pa- notice she pauses because it's almost like she's going to laugh. She's like, how did you know? You didn't know. And yeah. he goes, oh, I just kind of showed up. <laughs> So, and like, again, like people just gloss over this. You kind of hit on it at the beginning. They sent 29 heavily armed men to go and grab an old man who could only be described as a real life Mr. Magoo. And why he's asleep. Like the lights were off and this guy's probably abruptly woken up by tactical FBI agents waiting to arrest this man. And there's really nothing to even arrest him on it. It was a clear intimidation factor. Oh, God, they got what, like, what? everything he, that was brought up or, or everything that he was arrested for was something that was um, that came up after yeah. after the investigation. So literally nothing he did. This is nothing about illegal activity. Nothing he did was illegal with WikiLeaks. They're getting him uh, on uh, false information about his statements. And, and the funny thing is, is, you know, a, a normal FBI raid. Okay, everything that I've ever seen, you don't ever allow news or anything to be in the vicinity when you guys are conducting something like that. Yeah, usually they clear that area before they go in. It sounded like they had their damn camera in audio right next to the door while they're knocking. Like, what was the point of that? Shouldn't they get coverage after everything's taken care of and they've concluded with the raid? 
Right. And I'm no expert on, on this at all, but I mean, a proper stakeout lasts a few days, right? I mean, Correct. as soon as you get an idea that you might have some information that you could get from a target, I mean, you go and you sit in your car for like three to four days living off a diet of like coffee and McDonald's dollar yeah, menu or something. It's like you're sitting out waiting for Black Friday. You know, you've got your tents, so you don't brush your teeth. I mean, yeah, you're camped out. Yeah. And to get there an hour early and just, just, Double down and say you weren't tipped off. Like, come on, man. Reporter's instinct. Come wow, on. man. What a great instinct. Anyway, so Roger Stone was released on a $250,000 bond on Friday. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't see him getting out of this unscathed at all. I, I mean, he's going up against an entity with unlimited funds and the rules stacked against him. Um so this is going to be an interesting story to watch. Yeah. It, I mean, the, the one word that I would say that would capture this whole situation is overkill. I, oh, I really 100%. don't. Even if they had something super credible, legit on him, why would it take 29 FBI agents to go and take this? And, and why spend the time to capture this like it's some kind of, you know, huge drug raid and it's have intimidation CNN be the only a hundred percent is and whether you're republican or democrat like this should scare you the the links that people are going to do stuff to citizens like this is crazy you know you don't have to share roger stone's belief to realize that you would not want to be in his situation waking up to a bunch of fbi agents slamming their fists on your door telling you to get out you're under arrest like that's crazy no, and they let him peacefully get dressed, and like apparently the whole thing was pretty cordial. They just let the man get dressed, and then I mean, they were on their are, way. What are they going to do, man? How old is this guy? Like, this guy is old. It's not like he's putting up a fight. I mean, I don't understand. No, this is a man who's been in the political scene for his entire life. And then they act <laughs> like exactly what you said. They act like this guy's Pablo Escobar going in there with an army. <laughs> It's it reminds me of a WWE like you know how everything's completely staged and they hype it up for this one little situation you know yeah it, everything's so scripted here everything is like purposefully done and you can a hundred percent see it's clear as day but of course people are gonna eat this up and be like man they're so good that they should be promoted as reporters because they were just that that ability and that inclination they got to be there and and that hunch. Yeah. Stellar. Man. And it, it is 100% intimidation. Like you don't, you don't, this is all a show. Dude didn't even wake up to be able to get his avocado toast. Man, he couldn't just let the man get his avocado toast. At least let him have a cup of coffee before you guys molest him like that. My goodness. So the last topic I really wanted to cover, um, was this Venezuela mess. So, Just recently, the United States um, backed Juan Guardo as the president of Venezuela. They are no longer recognizing Nicolas Maduro as the president of Venezuela. Um, This whole thing is just a mess, man. And it is um, really – I want the – I want us to stay out of it because it could get bad really quick. Really, really fast. It could get bad. But Lisa Kennedy over at 
at Fox Business. She runs um, the Kennedy Show, and it's kind of like the Libertarian Show on Fox Business. She had a pretty good take at what exactly is going on. So why don't we just listen into this? Is a little bit of a longer clip here, but it's about two minutes. But she gives a good take. I wanted us to listen in. Venezuela has gone teats up as years of socialistic corruption have taken their toll on a once rich country that now teeters on the brink of total collapse. Nicolas Maduro has had the oil-rich former paradise in a stinky headlock since 2013. And now, between the 10 million percent projected inflation, that's a real number, medical brain drain, and civil unrest, the plucky 35-year-old National Assembly leader named Juan Guaido is ready to take the reins. Guaido appointed himself interim president, kind of like Hillary Clinton, with half the desperation and twice the self-awareness. And he has been recognized as such by the rational half of the world, including the U.S., and our adorable cousin, Canada. It's obvious any Maduro electoral victory is a sham, but his opponent squashing and refusal to gracefully exit has created an odd dividing line with us, the Canucks, and most of South America on one side, and Russia, China, Turkey, and Cuba all on the other. And they can all suck it. Why would that dark alliance favor Maduro? Well, not only are they all die-hard, kill-easy authoritarians who love imprisoning and murdering dissidents, they also want access to those 300 billion barrels of dirty Venezuelan oil. Maduro is clearly corrupt and unpopular, but he keeps his boot on the neck of the pores through a series of sophisticated Cuban spy networks who tip him off to military members and others who would like to say adieu through a coup. The question remains whether the military will stay committed to an irrational maniac who can't support the economy or feed his own people, or if they'll switch sides and train their guns on the commies, finally forcing Maduro and his crony generals from power. Whatever happens, it is unacceptable to use military force from the U.S. as it would be immoral to create more Gold Star families and senselessly shed American blood on foreign soil. Venezuela is a failing cesspool, but they have not attacked us. And you don't see American tanks rolling through Nigeria and Sudan, where dozens of protesters there have recently been slaughtered. Maduro needs to go. There's no doubt about it. But the forces of freedom do not have to mean American bloodshed in order to see necessary and imminent change. And that's. So she's exactly right. She nails this. So that this talk about potentially having military action in Venezuela is a huge no-no in, uh, in my eyes. Like I, we just really got to stay out of it. I, honestly, I, I wish we would have stayed out of it. Like the, the irony of everybody getting up in arms about the Russian interference in our election and then the United States just goes and tells another country who's not their leader – I, yeah, it, I it, mean, it's, it's, exhausting. it's pretty it, ironic. It's exhausting playing big brother to everybody. And, and the thing is, is, uh, you know, most of the United States is, is heading towards uh, its own civil war, you know, here. You, you've got such polar opposites on either side. You know, it, we have problems here that need to be addressed, and we don't need to be addressing problems unless it directly impacts the United States as a whole, which this really necessarily doesn't. It, it sucks that there's a humanitarian crisis in terms of these people are literally rummaging, rummaging through trash to be able to feed themselves. It's not our place. It sucks. Yeah, yes, it, I know, it really but. is bad. And I mean, it, we have made it worse here in the United States. I mean, Trump has put sanctions on Venezuela, but that's not hurting Maduro. You know, that's hurting the people. 
Um, That's hurting their economy, and it's already down the drain because they've taken a socialist. 10 million percent inflation. Correct. And, and you know, from everything that I've read, they have, they really do have that much oil, and we all know how much oil is. It's the, it's the black gold. Oh, yeah, that's I mean, why they, they this is a huge the, play in the world they scene. Have the, yeah, they have the ability to float their economy just based on that and to get it back. But see, when you have this kind of leadership that Maduro is, is showing, it, it's a power struggle, man. I, you have people that – you have the – the people are crying out that they're tired of this. They don't eat. They don't have a good quality of life, you know, but there's people backing Maduro in – and he keeps, like they said, he just keeps his, fo- his foot on the uh, throat of the people. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, Maduro controls the military, and he that controls the military controls the people. Um, and unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And I, I hope um, – I haven't seen anything yet, but I hope we back off of these sanctions because so these people can at least get something, you know, get I, something. I, I, think it's a, I think it's a rock and a hard place situation at this point. I mean, they're trying to get Juan Guaido as the interim president, you know, and that's something that the U.S. wants is him to take over. But it just sucks. It's it's another one of those things where you feel for the people, but at the same time, like, what do you do? You you know, you, you run the risk of potentially muddying the waters even more. Yeah, you got to stay out of it. I mean, that's, that's what I feel like. I, I think you don't. You stay out of this thing. This is bad news. You got Russia, China, Cuba involved. This is bad news. Stay out. This is not our place. Yep. Anyway, that's all I got for this episode. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Share us with your friends. We're now located on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next serving of Freedom Strips. Keep those tenders warm.